Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to the Bipolar DM Podcast. I am your host, Jason. This is an irregular podcast that I put on about Dungeons & Dragons, independent writing, and living with a mental illness, particularly bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, and major depression, among other diagnoses. If you have any topic suggestions, questions, or comments, you can email me at thebipolardm at gmail.com. Visit my webpage, www.thebipolardm.com, for previous episodes of this podcast, as well as my blog, and information and resources for mental illness, Dungeons and & Dragons, and independent writing. If you haven't done so already and are on Facebook, we have a Facebook fan page. The handle is at thebipolardm. There we have more uh, up-to-date uh up-to-date postings there. It's a little bit easier for me to do from my phone and on the go than it is to do postings from the uh, webpage. And I put up their articles, videos, and information uh, on a range of topics uh, for mental illness and Dungeons and Dragons and, of course, writing. Uh, And if you are a a big fan of the show, we have a private group uh, that is called The Bipolar DM Nation. It is free to join. You do not have to be uh, mentally ill or uh, a writer or play Dungeons and Dragons to join up. It is free for everyone, and uh, there it's more of a behind-the-scenes look at how the sausage gets made in this podcast. And and also, I do live updates and give uh, regular uh, updates about uh, my life with a mental illness and what it's like living with bipolar. Now, in today's topic, uh, I had encountered something extremely distressing today, and I had, you know, and I had to take a moment to decompress before I could even discuss it because it was so upsetting. And that is the uh, stigma and the um, outright bigotry in the service dog community towards certain breeds of dogs particularly pit bulls. Now, my service dog is a pit, and unfortunately to them and a lot of these people who look down upon pit bulls, um, they believe that there is no place in society uh, for a pit bull to be a service animal at all because they regard them as too vicious, and they only particular breeds are acceptable for uh, service dog work such as German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, yada, yada, yada. Basically, spending $30,000 for a dog uh, just so everybody can uh, say you're okay. And um, 
this discrimination uh, when I encountered it today was so eye-opening that I didn't realize that this had existed in the community. And uh, and I talked to another uh, pit bull owner who has has a pit for a side uh, for a service dog uh, today as well, and related and shared with her uh, my recent experience, and she too has felt and experienced the exact same thing in the service dog community and how we are treated as 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 if our dogs are lesser and not real service dogs because they are not an approved breed because uh, she came from a shelter and wasn't from a puppy mill or breeder who just cranks these dogs out doesn't matter what the fuck they care about them you know and it's just flat out wrong to judge a dog entirely because of its breed and its background and where it came from and not based on the merits of the dog itself and the, as an individual to judge it and then condemn it. That is what landed Harper on death row was this prejudice toward pit bulls. Now unfortunately they had earned their reputation because of bad owners and extreme inbreeding of the pit bull to make them more violent and more muscular and I mean just certain characteristics that are just not right for the breed and a lot of these dogs do go insane because of the inbreeding that is that they purposely do to uh, make these dogs vicious animals it had nothing to do with the dog itself and everything to do with the owner having said that the whole breed should not be condemned because of a few people who uh, are just misguided and wrong. Uh, cities and counties have laws that are particularly uh, discriminatory against that particular breed alone. You know, you don't see bans on German Shepherds or Doberman Pitchers or anything like that, but on Pit Bulls, you will see bans on it. You see insurance companies have bans on people owning and getting insurance to cover their Pit Bulls. It is, uh, it is unreal how much discrimination and bigotry there is and the sheer hatred that people will, sh- will spit out about this breed and how they will condemn me and my dog because of what somebody else did. One of the things I was told today was that I need to get a genetic test done on my dog to determine whether or not she is a full pit bull or not, or if she's a mixed breed. As if that makes any difference. She has all the characteristics of a pit bull. And just because she has those characteristics does not mean she has the insanity or the inbreeding or any of that other stuff that has come through dogfighting and uh, and bad ownership. So, what does that mean for Harper and other pit bulls? It means that they are more likely to be euthanized. Uh, about a million pit bulls every year are put down by shelters because one, People will not adopt them because they are afraid of the breed. And two, some of those dogs, yes, are vicious and violent because of bad owners, not because it's inherent in the breed itself. Now, if the bloodline, 
and not the breed, but the bloodline is convoluted with inbreeding, that's an issue. But the breed of Pitbull itself is not, uh, there's no right for them to condemn that breed just because of it. And it, it was so upsetting to me when I encountered this that I had to, I had to take about an hour or two just to take my medications and decompress from this. Because, I mean, I know people have their, you know, their own opinions about pit bulls like that, but to be, you know, to be accosted like this by people and to be told that our dogs are not worthy to be service dogs because they are a shelter dog, that they didn't come from a breeder, that they are a pit bull because, and not a German Shepherd or a Golden Retriever or a Labadoodle or any of those other toy, you know, a more prestigious quote-unquote breeds it's it's disgusting and it's not fair fortunately as far as like insurance and stuff like that goes I have not uh, re I personally have not encountered any discrimination in insurance I've been looking at getting of course pet insurance for Harper and wellness insurance as well. So pet insurance to cover catastrophic injuries and illnesses, and then wellnesses wellness insurance to cover uh, routine checkups, vaccinations, teeth cleaning, you know, stuff like that. That that's necessary for maintaining a healthy dog, and and, and even grooming too. Um. You know, there's a lot of great places out there that do insurance for pets, like Lemonade and Pumpkin and Wagmo or Wagme. I think it's Wagmo. Yes, Wagmo. Uh, great prices, very affordable, and uh, uh, and unlike people insurance, the insurance company does not pay the veterinarian directly, but pays you a reimbursement. So you have to have some money put away to be able to pay out-of-pocket to the uh, veterinarian. But uh, a lot of these places now are offering 24-hour reimbursements that within a day, uh, 24 hours after submitting your receipt, your itemized receipt from the vet, that you can receive your, uh, your payments uh, or reimbursements from the uh, insurance company. And, you know, so... And that kind of makes things a little difficult, especially when it's hard for somebody like me to build up a savings account and maintain it. And and so I'm going to have to kind of start putting money away into a separate account that I can't touch, you know, unless it's an emergency uh, for Harper. Uh, just so I'll have that cash fund uh, on hand for the deductible and as well as uh, the out-of-pocket co out costs until I get my insurance reimbursement. So that's one thing that I'm working on. Uh, if you do have a service dog, I highly, highly recommend investing in insurance for the dog, both plans, not just catastrophic, but also wellness. Because your service dog is an investment, an investment that is a lot of money. I mean, I was very fortunate that my service dog was gifted to me by a nonprofit organization that specializes in rescue dogs and rehabilitating rehabilitating them and training them for service work for children with autism as well as veterans that have suffered from PTSD and other psychiatric disorders. And so 
to put in, in you know for the average person who does have a service dog you know uh, like I've mentioned before the cost is you know between 20 30 sometimes even forty thousand dollars depending on the breed and the uh, and the trainer and who you're getting it from so you know it's if you're putting that much money away for a dog and then suddenly the dog gets sick and dies and you don't have insurance to help them out you're out almost 30 grand and uh, to replace the animal so if you haven't done so already please get some insurance for your pets you know uh, for your service dog I mean I'll be honest I don't have insurance on my pets and I don't intend to just because I can't afford to pay for insurance on Harper and them at the same time but Harper is a more monetarily higher investment than I'm sorry to say my two rat terriers I love them to death they're 10 years old going on 11 and one day they are going to pass away but I can't afford to help all of them you know that doesn't mean that I mistreat my animals or that I don't get them uh, vaccinations or any of that the, the dogs are all vaccinated I do vaccines myself the only vaccine I can't get my hands on is rabies I have to go through a vet to do that but like the nine in one shots those are like 10 bucks at a uh, at farm supply and some pet warehouses that sell uh, vaccines you can get a nine in one uh, vaccination and vaccinate the dog yourself um, at you know for just 10 12 dollars versus paying 40 to 50 dollars at a vet for the exact same vaccination the only difference is it's you putting the needle into the uh scruff behind their neck versus a vet doing it and that is the only difference between the, uh the vaccination that you buy over the counter versus one you would get from a veterinarian at least as far as i have found now there is a possibility I could be wrong, and I would admit it if I am wrong. But so far, what I have seen and what I have found is that, you know, you can vaccinate your own pets and save a ton of money. And and at the same time, protect your pets as well. So, um, you know, so vaccinate, vaccinate, vaccinate. Get your pets vaccinated. Make sure to vaccinate, especially if they are in contact with other dogs, such as at a dog park or out in the open in public or any of those places because parvo and other illnesses are so easily transmitted between these uh, animals that, you know, once the dog gets parvo, the chances of its survival is very slim without treatment. And even then, the treatment can cost hundreds, even thousands of dollars. And even then, there's no guarantee that the, the treatment will will save the dog or prevent uh, catastrophic um, side effects from the illness, even if they do survive. So, vaccinate, get insurance, and protect your pet. Now, going back to breeds, though, um, it's just... It boggles my mind how narrow-minded people can be. I understand where they're coming from. I understand the science that they use to uh, prove their point. You know, I mean, I disagree with it, but I understand where they're coming from. And for them to condemn me and my dog just because of a breed and not because of the action of the dog is is just so wrong 
I can't even begin to tell you how upset I was by this. And, you know, I'm white. And, well, actually, I'm Hispanic. Although, but my I take after my mother. So, you know, when I tell people that I'm Hispanic, they, 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 they're floored because I have, you know, I had red hair until my all it all fell out and now I'm bald, but I have a red beard and you know my skin's pretty pale and all that and so I don't look Mexican and it's real funny when people find out that I am uh, part Mexican and um, so I mean and I lived overseas too in Japan I lived in Japan I lived in Spain and i ran into discrimination there against americans because i was an american i ran into discrimination both in japan and in spain not so much in japan but you know somewhat more in spain uh, i ran into it because those europeans can be real dicks over there uh, the japanese on the other hand tend to be very polite it's the older a lot of times it's the older japanese the ones that remember world war 2 that still hold a grudge and and the occupation of the U.S. forces in their country that still continues today. So, when this happened to me, I didn't know how to react, and I reacted badly. And I'll admit that. I cussed a woman out because of it and got banned from a Facebook page because of it. You know, a Facebook page that I had just joined and was enjoying immensely immensely enjoying the support and network but then when people start finding out you know started bashing my breed you know telling me you know how vicious they are and they don't they're not suitable for service work and that they can't be trained and they there is no way no redeeming qualities whatsoever in this breed i just wanted to punch somebody in the mouth i was just so upset and but to find out, though, and to connect to some other people who have also experienced this prejudice is comforting at the same time knowing I'm not alone in this world. I'm not the only one who is, you know, has to face this. And the funny thing is, the problems I run into is not with the public. Everybody that Harper has met in public has loved her to death. And they compliment her all the time as far as how well she's behaved and how great her training has been, you know, how, how she responds. But the, the funny thing was is it's my, my what I would consider my own people who I'm having a problem with. The one place that I should be finding more support and more backup than in the regular out in the civilian world and these people within the commu the service dog community they um i can't say it any other way they're elitists they think they're better than me they think their dog is better than my dog and even though they'll deny it and even though they'll say oh we don't mean it that way well you know what even if you don't say it your actions, though, dictate how what you actually believe. And it's terrible. Just terrible. Fortunately, I have not run into any problems in the public, and Harper has been doing great. She has not had any issues in the public um, as far as misbehaving or acting out or 
doing anything a service dog should not be doing. You know, we in, in Walmart the other day, we passed another service dog team. Harper didn't even flinch and ignored the dog while that little service dog was yapping its little head off, tugging at the lead of the guy in the wheelchair, trying to pull him away to get to Harper. That is, that's bad training. And, and that dog was not a pit bull. It was a, one of the acceptable breeds. And that was messed up that, you know, my dog's getting condemned when some jerk's dog who he can't control under the law has to control but does not and gets away with having a misbehaving dog only because the breed is acceptable. You know, racism is a terrible thing. Bigotry of any kind is a terrible thing. And it needs to be erased. It needs to be erased from our society. And to condemn an entire breed because of a minority of the population who misuse that breed is not fair. Now, I plan to, when they reinstate me, to formally apologize to the group for my behavior because, you know, I did misbehave when and act out badly when I was challenged about my dog. I took it very personally, and I shouldn't have. She was attacking the breed, or she wasn't attacking. They, I, I felt it was an attack. Although, if you do read the te- read the messages, it doesn't look like that uh, at all. She's just informing people how bad the breed is, and how vicious they are, and that it's a scientific fact. And she put, and she even published and showed journal articles about how bad this breed is, and how their disposition automatically makes them vicious dogs. I don't know who did these studies. I don't care. Because I don't know about everybody else's dog. I just know about mine. And I know my service dog is a sweetheart. She is not violent, but she is a dog. And all dogs, no matter what the breed, can turn vicious under the right circumstances. And it doesn't matter whether it's a German Shepherd, whether it's a pit bull or a labradoodle or a poodle or a standard poodle it doesn't matter they're dogs they're descended from wolves and they still have some of that wolf blood in them and every dog has the potential of turning vicious under the right circumstances even harper and that's why i'm very mindful and always in control of her because I don't want that to happen in public. I don't want her to be condemned by her actions. If you want to condemn her because of her breed, that's on you. But if you can but if she misbehaves in public, that's on me as an owner and handler, not on her as a dog because she is a dog and she is not in control of her faculties like that, like we are. She reacts. She doesn't think through things and reason and all that. She reacts. I reacted 
when I was when I was challenged and I reacted badly and I was wrong and I admit that and that was part of the thing that I was upset about was that I was in the wrong and I knew I was in the wrong and I admitted I was in the wrong I didn't say I'm not right or anything like that, but that woman who who took on took me to town she was wrong too because one thing there's one thing there's a difference between speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love and obviously she doesn't know the difference because what she did to me was wrong and I am not going to forgive her for that for some time until I get it out of my system and I'm able to calm down and relax, put things in perspective, take a deep breath, focus. <sighs> okay. Now, on to other things. Training. Harper has been doing great in training. We're doing uh, her regular skills such as cover and uh, healing and stuff like that. Um, I'm, doc I'm starting to document all training sessions too. Something else that you as a service dog owner must do. And that is document all your training with your dog because if something should ever happen in public, if you are ever challenged legally about the status of your dog, you have those records of training records to prove that you have a service dog. And that really, because there is no central agency in the United States that is a clearinghouse and registry for service dogs, unlike Canada, which does have one, then America, your proof is in the re is in your record keeping. Because you're allowed under the Americans with Disabilities Act to train your own service dog from puppy on up without even going through a professional or any of that. What's good about the current law is that the dog's judged by its own merits, not because of breed or because of me, but by its own merits and by its own training. So just because I have a pit bull, and if I get dragged in the court because I have a pit bull and as a service dog, for whatever reason, you know... I'm going to have those records to say, yeah, um, not only is this a service dog, but I have the records to show that not only has she been trained as a service dog, but I am continually training her. And keeping those records is very important. There's some great places online where you can get samples of training records. You can get blanks so that you can do your own records. I'm doing mine on an Excel spreadsheet through from that I downloaded from a uh, psychservicedogs.com which is a outstanding little website for resources for training your own service dog and maintaining the your service dog's training and those records are available on there for free uh, they're available in PDF they're available in um, they're available in Word and Excel and in open source as well if you have a service dog do your record keeping. Stay on top of the record keeping with your training. Because if the day should come that you have to prove that you have a service dog in a court of law, those records are going to save your ass and save your dog's life. Now, 
let's see uh, what is going on Harper what okay Harper barking at something okay anyways back to Harper's training um, right now I'm trying to I'm working on teaching her um, DPT therapy which is deep pressure um, tissue therapy if uh, and what that is is what 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 happens is you, you lay down and then the dog lays on top of you and the uh, effect is like having a weighted blanket on you if you wonder I didn't until it was until Harper I got Harper to lay across me and with her weight I didn't think that it was such, you know, I, I was like, I don't see how this can work. You know, why would, you know, a dog laying across you calm you down and stuff like that? But, but I'll be honest, it really did help with um, my anxiety. And it was very calming to have her lay across me. Getting her to duplicate it, nah, that's the tricky part. Where you know, because that's not a natural thing for the dogs to do. It's not natural for them to lay across you. I mean, when I trained my rat terriers to be held like little stuffed animals, it took some work and fortunately, you know, and I had to manhandle them a little bit. Well, I can't do that with Harper. She's a big dog. She's got some muscle on her, and I can't just manhandle her into what I'm wanting her to do. I have to use treats, positive reinforcement, stuff like that to get her to do what I want to do and reward her heavily and praise and everything like that. And so we are working right now on the DPT therapy and we're also working on um, other uh, things such as uh, distraction, distraction, not destruction, distractions uh, by nudging, licking, and uh, my hand if I'm having a, uh, having a, a emotional episode. And, uh, and so those are the Two ta those are two tasks that we're working on right now. That's our that's our bread and butter tasks that we're working on right now as for specific things that I need for myself. Among the uh, and among her other uh, basic obedience and stuff like that, we work on which is you know her sit, her laying down, her staying, her recall. You know when I need her to come back to me. You know those things are great and uh, they're working out really well. I'm staying. I'm working on staying on top of her training to keep those skills sharp, so that even though I, if every day I don't use cover to for her to stand behind me and block behind me to cover me, I still want her to be able to know and do that for whenever I do need her to do that, such as if I'm in a public restroom or something like that. Um, as far as the DPT therapy, I do not have any intention of her doing this in public. I'm not going to lay down in the middle of Walmart and have her lay on me no matter how upset I get. More likely what I'll do is make a quick egress, get home, and then have her do it You know, in the privacy of my home. I'm not going to lay on the floor at Walmart and have it done or any retail store or any place in public and have that happen to me. I just don't want it to happen to me. And... Uh, fortunately for me, I've not had any kind of episode in uh, public uh, for a while, and uh, um, it does it has happened. It does happen, but um, uh, but as far as uh, and recently, I've been doing, and especially since I've gotten Harper, uh, I've been able to handle being in public a lot easier than I had in uh, in before. Now. If you have a service dog and your service dog does have an issue, 
And I'll admit, Par Harper did have an issue when I first got her about loud noises and shopping carts. Um, she absolutely hated it. I tried to go in Walmart several times with her when we first had her, and she just dug her heels in and absolutely refused to answer the store because of the cart corral. It took a little time to work her through it. I had to do some desensitization with her out in the parking lot, get her used to being around the shopping carts, get her used to being around the noise. And then when I got to the entrance, I waited until there was nobody there getting a freaking shopping cart and making noise. And then I would just take her and I would just push on through, straight through there and into the store. Once we got in the store, she was great. After doing that several times, she got the idea that, you know what, she doesn't have to be scared of the shopping carts. She doesn't have to be upset about it. And and right now, I mean, and as of now, I can walk right into Walmart with her. People are going to be getting shopping carts um, while we are going through there. And she and Harper doesn't even bat an eye or flinch. Yes, that's Harper right back there. So if you do have a service dog who develops an issue or has an issue, that does not mean your service dog is any lesser than mine or anybody else's. That is your service dog, and issues can be worked through. Just don't give up. Get help if you need it. Get resources. Do research and train your dog. You know, uh, train through those issues. You know, there there are a lot of ways to get around a lot of stuff that uh, stands in your way. You don't have to bulldoze right straight through it. Sometimes you just have to sidestep something. You know, until uh, things get uh, more manageable I guess would say and to work continue working with your service dog you know um, so if your service dog does develop a phobia or issue because of trauma of some kind don't despair and don't give up you can work it through both of you can because you know what not only is your dog supposed to be helping you but you as a handler should be helping your dog as well because you are a team. And in the military, your teammate, your battle buddy, is everything on the battlefield. You do not leave your comrade on the battlefield behind. Nobody's left behind. Nobody's forgotten. That's the way it is in the military. Civilian world, screw you guys. You'll fuck somebody over in a heartbeat just to get what you want. And I hate you civilians sometimes for that. And whatever happens, don't let anybody denigrate you or your service dog because they're not the right breed or they have an issue that needs to be worked through. You know what? Every dog has some kind of issue. There's no perfect dog out there. And if somebody says their dog is perfect, they're fucking lying to you. So, you know... And that's one thing I learned about service dogs. You know, when I first got Harper, I thought service dogs had to be like, were perfect. Never misbehave, never have a problem, any of that stuff. And that's not true. And when I learned that, it was um, freeing, liberating. I didn't feel so guilty because I thought I was a bad handler because I couldn't understand or help Harper with her issues with the shopping carts. And when I came to that realization that, you know what, service dogs are, you know, they're, an they, they're not perfect, it helped me out a lot. So I learned that service dogs are not high uh, machines or perfect machines or anything like that. 
And the other thing I learned about service dogs is that there's a lot of responsibility that goes into having one. Because they are not a pet, because they are medical equipment, because they are out in public, there's a lot of things that I have to do to maintain Harper. Such as keeping her brushed. And, I mean, with her being a short coat, it's a lot easier. I don't have to brush her every single day. About once a week, I give her a good brushing and get the uh, get her coat cleaned up. And I need to, uh, when winter clears up, I'm going to get her undercoat out. I didn't want to take her undercoat out right now with winter because, I, you know, it's some insulation. But once winter comes, I'm going to take her to the groomer. Or my I, myself, are going to work on just brush, 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 get that undercoat cleared out and get all that extra dead hair out. And uh, I know she'll be looking like a million bucks after that. But also, you know, uh, making sure her nails are trimmed, uh, which I hate doing. I hate doing nails. Um, I'm going to have to figure out some way to do that other without having to pay a groomer to do it. Um, I, You know, if it was only $10 for a groomer to just cut my dog's nails, I wouldn't mind doing it. But unfortunately, the nail trimming is also part of a package, which costs $40. You know, so, you know, so I'm not spending $40 for my dogs to get our nails trimmed, you know, if I can do it myself. But I need to figure out a way to, if not cut her nails, at least uh, file or grind them down a bit. Um, not all of them, most of them. Um, just because, uh, you know, uh, re, you know, in the last couple of weeks, winter and stuff like that, we haven't been outside a lot. So she hasn't had a chance for her nails to get worn down from walking on pavement or any of that stuff. So I got to keep on track of that um, with her nails. So we got her brushing, we got her nails, we got baths, uh, food and diet. You know, you want to... I'm sorry, but I can't afford science diet or any of that expensive shit. Um, and she seems to be doing fine with old Roy, you know. And I, you know, she doesn't require a special diet, unlike... Um, my buddy JR, his service dog Ty, unfortunately cannot tolerate gluten or, um, you know, the ingredients that's typically found in most dog foods and has to be uh, fed a special diet, you know, of uh, meat, lamb, rice, stuff like that, you know, all, you know, basically just making a dinner for him, you know, which is awesome. I might consider start trying to do that, but it's expensive too. But. The benefits, though, of healthy uh, diets, uh, making sure your dog's not getting overweight. When I first got Harper, she was severely underweight, and it showed, too. And in uh, the months since then, she has put on about 20 pounds almost. <laughs> well, maybe not 20. 10 pounds is how much she put on. I haven't weighed her lately, so I need to. I'm guessing from picking her up, she probably weighs close to 50 pounds right now. Um, but... Um, you know, having a good healthy diet is important with your dog as well. And so, you know, all these things add together, you know, the wellness with the vet, diet, exercise, regular exercise, getting her out. I'm very fortunate the place I live at has a dog park, a fenced-in dog park that I can let her run in off the lead. It's been great because, I'll admit, uh, the one thing i got to work with her on is her to go potty on commands on the lead and I hadn't done that with her because of the dog park and that's one thing I will, I will need to do is work on her with this or also to know 
to go to the bathroom on the lead when I need her to, such as if we're traveling or in an airport and having to take a flight. I can't wait half an hour for her to figure out that she needs to take a dump, you know, outside um, and wait, you know, when I got a flight waiting on us. So, you know, that's one of those things that I need to train her on and work with her on is, you know, that right there with her going to the bathroom on command. Or as soon as we get outside, you know, like my dog, my two little dogs do. When they get outside, they go straight to doing their business and they're done. Uh, you know, they don't screw around, they don't sniff around and all that stuff. And um, I need to get Harper on the same uh, same page as that with them. Uh, I was able to train my two little ones to do it. I can train her to do it as well. And it's just done in stages. You can't do it all at once. you got to do it a step at a time building up to the ultimate goal which is for her to go potty on command and uh and so you know with winter and all that it's been real difficult to get outside and do outside training especially some of the other stuff i need to work on such as emergency recall to get her uh keep those skills sharp uh emergencies uh down which means if uh, if she is out uh, off lead and there is a physical danger to her, I can call her to automatically stop where she's at and lay down until I come get her or recall her back to me. And so those two, uh, those two commands, the emergency recall and the emergency down commands, are essential to owning a service dog as much as other tasks that you're trained your dog to do. Because you do not want your dog to run out into traffic or, you know, chasing a squirrel or something like that. You know, just being a dog and um, and then get severely hurt. Or if there's a uh, confrontation with another dog in the dog park or something like that, I can recall her away from that dog and protect her from being injured or causing injury to another dog if they get into a fight. And... I don't want that to happen. Uh, whenever I do, uh, except for that last time, whenever I do encounter another dog or team, I usually give them a wide berth. And uh, it just happened that circumstances with the crowd at Walmart and stuff like that, I just happened when I passed by that other service dog team, we passed by just, you know, real close to each other. And, um, and, uh, and that dog just reacted in a bad way. And Harper did a fantastic job at ignoring that mutt and um, doing what she is supposed to be doing. And if anybody wants to bash my dog because of her breed, well, guess what? You know what? That dog was, a, was one of those acceptable breeds, and it behaved badly. And Harper, being a pit bull, did not. So, screw you guys. Screw your elitism. And your high horse about dogs and where they come from. Because, you know what? My dog, she works. And she works for me. And she helps me. And that is what is important. I don't give a crap what you think. And I don't care your opinions about pit bulls. And I don't care what your opinions are about pit bulls and service do as service dogs. Because she gets the job done. And I've seen other dogs that have been with better breeding, quote-unquote, not hold up like she has. 
coming from you know and they come from a breeder and then they did they they're you know and special training and all that crap well you know what harper went through training too she went through the same training and she did fine she did great she excelled she is a smart dog and she is picking up stuff left and right just like that i mean her adapting has been amazing I haven't had a dog that adapted so well quickly to training that I have with Harper. And one of the reasons why, um, because, surprise, surprise, because of her breed, she's really connected and into me. And she connects to me on a level that my other dogs hadn't done. She is always at my side, no matter where I go in the house. If I'm going to the bathroom, she's with me. If I go in the living room, she's with me. At first, it was kind of unnerving and, and hard to get used to because, you know, having her around me all the time, I'm not used to that. I'm used to my dogs, you know, come get what they want and then go run off and do their own thing, you know, which they typically they typically do. Harper, on the other hand, she's all about me. She's all about my needs and what I need. And that is what a service dog is all about, being focused on the handler. So... Don't judge a dog by its breed. Judge it by its actions and its performance. You know, don't condemn any breed just because of science and opinion and the idea that this dog is inherently vicious just because of its breed alone and not because of bloodlines and breeding. You know, those are the things that make a dog vicious is bloodline and breeding, not the breed itself. You know, and when I'm talking about breeding, I'm talking about animal husbandry, that kind of crap. So, you know, uh, and hey, if you are running into problems with discrimination because of your dog, because of its breed, you know what? You got two choices. You can stand up and fight and probably lose just because they got science on their side and popular opinion. Or you just say, screw you, I'm on my, you know, screw you guys, I'm taking my dog and I'm going, I'm going home. Just like Cartman, screw you guys, I'm going home. You know, those are your two choices, you know, to confront them or which will end up badly because that's what I did. Or to ignore it and let it roll off of you and say, you know what, I don't give a shit what you think about my uh, breed of dog because I know my dog and I know how what she's capable of so far. Um, her potential, I don't know her potential. I just know what she's capable of right now. Her potential, though, is phenomenal of what she can do and what she will be doing. But... If somebody's razzing you or harassing you because of your dog, don't let it get to you like it did to me. Screw them. They, uh, they can hate all they want. What's important at the end of the day is that you have a service dog. And if it didn't come from a breeder, if it came from a shelter, if it's not the right breed, if it's a pit bull or some other breed that's not acceptable... To according to them, like a mutt. Um, you know what? That's all on them. Because it's about performance. That's what matters to me. It, the breed has no... I don't give a crap about breed. 
I'm all about performance and what the dog does and judging entirely on the merits of the dog itself and not on what other people tell you about the breed. So, having vented all that, um, you know, you got to put stuff in perspective too. You know, and I didn't when when I blew up on that woman. And I'm sorry about that, but you know what? She was in the wrong too. And not not with what she was putting out as far as information. It was how she was doing it is what was wrong. It wasn't what she was uh, putting out. It was how she was doing it that I had a problem with. And I tried to uh, extricate myself from the conversation saying let's just uh, end this on we agreed to disagree and um, and that's it. But she wouldn't let up. She wouldn't let up and she kept hammering at me until I exploded on her. And then I ended up getting uh, muted and banned from the group because of what she did. Not Now, well, what I did. I got banned for what I did. But because I reacted badly to her. What she did to me was very upsetting. But I should never have let it get to me like that. And unfortunately, though, being bipolar and being emotionally charged like I am sometimes, it's real tough to separate myself and my emotions from the conversation and stuff like that and not let things get too personal. So, learn lesson learned, hopefully. And if you have, thank you for listening to the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, something that you might want to hear about or learn about, go ahead and email me at thebipolardm at, g- at gmail.com. Um, you can also contact me through my webpage, uh, www.thebipolardm.com, or through Facebook at thebipolardm. You can contact me through there as well. Um, I would be happy to hear from you, and if you have something that you want me to discuss or look into and research and then do a podcast on, I would be more than happy to do it because I'm running out of stuff to talk about. And and there's a chance, a slight chance right now, that I might be able to get my podcast put on a radio, um, internet radio program uh, network. And... So I've uh, made the initial contact with that network. Um, they are looking for shows and stuff like that. I got four seasons in the. I got three seasons in the can, and I'm on my fourth now. So, um, I've been doing this for about now, going on four years. So, but um, hopefully those things will work out because. That'd be awesome to have a regular show on the internet too. But if it doesn't work out, I still got my podcast. I still got my website. I still got my own promotion, stuff like that. I just would like to have a broader audience too to be able to expand out to and to be able to do it like on a non-traditional slash kind of traditional style radio. I mean, it's non-traditional that it's all on the internet. But... um. But they, it functions like a traditional radio station, you know, as far as you got your shows and you got your DJs and stuff like that. Music, uh, there's music and stuff like that, but there's all kinds of content program on this website. And when I get more information from them and been in contact, I'll be sharing that of 
the particular uh, network that I've been talking to and to see how um, how this is going to work out because the one thing that's kind of tough about this show is that all my podcasts so far have been like 15, 20 minutes and I need to be able to go an hour and right now I'm doing about oh, 51 minutes right now and so this is the longest I've actually gone on a podcast in quite some time and so I want to be able to be able to discuss for a full hour and have a show. And I plan to, you know, uh, I've been in talks with JR and another person about doing some more shows together and having three people, having two, two, him and another person on my, uh, on my show as we do a show together. And hopefully if we do uh, do the, if I do get on the uh, broadcast network on the internet, uh, I'd be bringing them back on the radio show as well. And it, of course, will still be like this podcast. I mean, it's not going to be a different. It is this podcast is going to be on the radio? It's just going to be. It's just a different distribution than anything else. And um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this goes because I got so much time on my hands being disabled and not working that I got to find something to do. And uh, and this seems like something that I really enjoy. And and I'm. I'm mildly surprised that I've gone this long talking without, you know, running out something to say. Now, am I going to be able to do that every single week? I don't know, but I'm going to have to if I get this job. Um, I'm not expecting it to be compensated in any way other than, hey, get my name out there and get my podcast out there is the only compensation I want. I don't want any pay, although it would be nice to get a little pay. You know, I'm limited as far as how much I can get because I'm on disability. I think my max is ten thousand dollars in a year that I can earn, so which is scratch. But you know, in addition to what I am getting paid, ten thousand dollars a year actually would help me out quite a bit. But I'm not expecting to be paid on this radio program. I'm uh, I'm wanting to do it because I just enjoy doing the podcast and I want to have more audience and get out there more. So. Thank you for tuning in again. Uh, sorry, I had a false uh, false ending and then kind of got into something else. But you're listening to the Bipolar DM podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, everybody, take your meds. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.